Yo, the boys here, like Murphy. Tattoos, cool hat, cool clothes. What's up, buddy? New tattoos since last time you saw me, too. Where? Uh, on my right calf. Oh. Yeah, I was in the chair yesterday. Some, what is it? Someone hurt my feelings, so I had to get a new tattoo. You know Bad behavior. Yeah. This is not, it's not good behavior. No presents this year. That's no presents for, this no year. No presents this year. That is a lock for you. Man, that's a lot of years running. No presents for you. Yeah, it's been, uh, I don't know. I forget when I got my first one. Yeah. <laughs> Early 20s or late teens or something like that. And yeah. I'd imagine by the, by the same logic, uh, facial piercings had you in, uh, in yeah. no, t- no present uh, territory as yeah. well. I, I like presents though. So I did the piercing thing and I was like, <laughs> never again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you that get that reference, one week. Yeah. All right. One week. All a right. whole new batch of memes oh. that like there's going to be a two week stretch where me and you and like a dozen other people on Twitter are insufferable oh, with, just with memes that people haven't got a chance to catch up on yet. Man, I have some succession memes sitting in the folder right uh. now that I'm just so ready to fight. I'm look, looking for any excuse. Actually, yesterday, my Botano streak went a little further. And I've got my favorite meme for that now. Oh, the Mazden. I'm just yeah, trying to make you rich. Exactly. It yeah. just, that's, now that I'm, <laughs> by the way, it should be said to open up the show today because Blake is also a fellow connoisseur of the gambling. My Botano best bet streak is now at seven in a row and 11 of my last 12. And I just, I just want the respect. I just want the respect. I just want the thank yous. A lot of you reach out. A lot of you send the slips. And that's very kind of you. Very nice of you. But again, yesterday, the bet hits in the first half. And I'm just, I'm getting so good at this. I don't even need the full game. It's also, you know, the the listener doesn't get to to know this. Maybe you go through your process a little bit. But I'm privy to some of the secondary ones, too. And you were sending me some on the weekend from the Lakers Nuggets. And it was just like hit, 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 hit. Yeah. No, I'm locked in right now. Honestly, this might be the most locked in I've ever been in sports betting in my entire <laughs> life. I've had some great days and I've had better hits and bets, right? But in terms of just the feel for what's going on here, even my misses, like the one miss I had on the weekend was I missed on Rui Hachimura over 12 points. And he had 10 in the first half, half, right? Yeah. And it was just three for 12 or something like that on the night. I will never forgive him. (laughs) Honestly, whoever signs Rui Hachimura in free agency this year, I'm quote tweeting that with like, congrats on signing this massive loser. But but he's the the Jokic stopper. Six six possessions of okay defense and then, uh, yeah, reputation. I I actually have a bunch of Jokic stuff today for you, but I want to start with this while you're here. Okay, so the Jay scored 20 runs last night, which I checked out, right? I went to the hockey, bad. Uh, I went to the basketball, really good. Um, I was kind of jumping around, monitoring some other bets, but I, I checked out the Jays probably at around eight runs-ish, nine. Varsho hit that single to cash two runs, and then he got home on a wild pitch, and I kind of went, all right, I, I know how this game is going, kind of check back in, check Barrios. Does the... There's been some numbers that have indicated that the process has been a little bit better recently. 20-run game. Does this matter to you as they face McClanahan tonight? Because I feel like this is going to be shut down. So they're going to go from 20 runs to maybe two tonight. That's how I'm kind of feeling about this. Look, I'm not the world's foremost pitching expert. Uh-huh. Fairly confident that Shane McClanahan is better than outfielder Luke Rayleigh and backup yeah. catcher Christian Betancourt. Well, okay. So you know how – this is why, honestly, one of my favorite things about Blake is – he tracks this stuff all year long, and he's, he doesn't forget. He, he does not forget. So there's going to come a point where someone is going to write the piece on the Jays' offense having this surge or whatever, and I can't wait to see Blake reply, yeah, but what about that 20-run game where they 
beat around yeah. all the pitchers. It's or, already sorry, the batters that were pitching. Already in my notes for yeah. Jay's Talk Plus today, where let me just find it here quickly. So they just last night alone, yeah. they jumped from being sixth worst in the league, hitting with runners in scoring position, to exactly league average. Yeah. Like it's it's not it's not early for like oh the standings are bad and no. and your gap in the AL East is big but it's early for like one big night can swing your numbers and I mean this happened last year too with that like what was it three hundred runs they scored against the Red Sox at yeah. one point but that was also yeah that twenty eight to five game that's also a team that scored eight and ten runs later in that series and had put up double digit runs a whole bunch of times already that year mm-hmm. it wasn't as big an outlier as like this team had scored five runs or fewer in eleven of their last yeah. twelve yeah leading into this one i I think you have to hope obviously that you know it's a get right situation right it's like you know, I, I've used the reference before, like when I was on bad Cambridge travel teams, it's like, oh, we got an exhibition game against Flamborough. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to get their points and everyone's going to feel a little better. It's the the longest yard joke of tuning up against Appalachian State or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to hope that this gets a few guys gripping the bats a little less tightly. Like, I don't really buy that theory, to be 12 honest. 12 guys get a hit, though, yeah. and, and uh, all your key guys get three or more hits. Yeah. Like, not all of that came off of the the position players pitching like like no. Zach Birdie was at one point a first round pick Taj Bradley is the top prospect in the Rays system like the first nine or ten runs of damage were legitimate yeah. and I think that part can at least let you exhale I don't think they're necessarily going to be red hot now and light up Shane McClanahan yeah. but I think they can at least take a breath yeah listen of course they can I I would just say that tonight is weird in terms of if they were to beat up on Shane McClanahan. All of a sudden, the narratives would start to flip and people go, wow, you guys all overreacted to this. So actually, I'm going to start with this. What do you what do you believe right now? Because basically, the way that I've been talking about the Jays has been a lot of, all right, the starting pitching is obviously very good. Gossman, for whatever reason, is almost this year's Barrios, though, where it's just like it's either a dominant outing or he's getting absolutely tattooed, but it's more dominant. He also, he's gone from, I mean, he's still a really high Babip guy, and I think that's maybe just a part of his who he is at this point, yeah. but also the Jays score no runs for him. So yeah, it's weird. he's like holiday average fewer than three runs per Gosman start. Hey, guess what, Kevin? I don't think that's changing. Yeah. So, so get ready for your low. four and 10 record yeah. with like a 270 ERA. Yeah. He's got a lot of holiday to him, man. Like it just reminds me, what was it? Oh, six, the year where holiday just couldn't get a single run of support for the entire year. It was, it was either Oh six or, Oh, five, whatever where, the year was. I think it was the same year that Gustavo Chassin had like 13 yeah, wins. It's yeah. like, oh, all the offense is going into Gustavo Chassin uh, outings. Yeah. 2004, he only had eight wins. Yeah, that was a tough one. And then, yeah, 2012, 2005. Sorry, he made the all-star team, but only had 12 wins. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, what I'm saying. I think it was that year. Oh, five or yeah. And then oh, six, he was they won more games. They trade yeah. him in 07. Uh, uh, ah, who cares? Whatever. Yeah. Anyways, he, he left no nine. You left in 09. Yeah, oh, wow. that makes sense because I was there in 2010. I went to a holiday start yeah. that year. It was actually during, and I remember it because it was during the Flyers Chicago Stanley Cup. And have you ever been to a game in Philly for any sport? No. All the stadiums are in the same part. Like they share a parking lot. Yeah, I like that. So we went to Philly's game and then like the only bar in that area as was obviously showing the Flyers game. Jeff yeah. Car- Jeff Carter scores a late empty netter to tie the series 2-2, and then everyone comes over from the hockey arena to this only bar in that area. That. Legendary That's uh, really fun. getting lost and can't find the way back to the hotel in <laughs> Philly in my early 20s. That's the best. Yeah. So 
e- either way, the way that I feel about it right now is that the starting pitching has obviously been the best thing about the team. That's been the, yeah, that's their calling card right now. Lead the league in innings pitch from your yeah. starters. And here's the thing, though, too, is they've needed it because their bullpen stinks, and so they can't hand anybody over. And even that's been my one spin about them when the when they get blown out is you get to go, okay, well, that's not bad. Like the other night with Chris Bassett, where Chris Bassett continues to go through the game, and you say, leave him in there because the Jays don't have anybody to, to fork over into this game. You're, you're going to Thomas Hatch. Ah, they're unearned runs, whatever. Yeah, it, exactly, right? It's Who cares? But let's be real. They need Manoa to bounce back because I think that if you think Bassett is going to be their number two starter in the playoffs, that's not a great scenario. I think he's going to be good, but his velo numbers, they dipped at the end of last year. He's a guy that... You're hoping is a innings eater who has a good ERA, but maybe isn't even their number three starter come playoff time. Honestly, right. like that, that's very much on the table. Kikuchi, incredible start. Awesome story. Everybody in the city rooting for him. Same thing. You would expect some regression, maybe even tonight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's already started a little bit in yeah. May and there's some, you know, I'll talk about it more on Jay stuck plus there's a little bit of indicators. Maybe guys are sitting on the slider and mm. he's having to throw it a little bit less and makes them a little bit less dynamic, but at the very least, at least he stopped walking guys like that goes, yeah. no, that goes so far to getting you through just five innings. And and he also, yes, not only that, it just, you can tell that he's pitching with a ton more confidence this mm-hmm. year. And the heat from the left side has been far more accurate, which is just like the thing we were all praying for is, Hey man, can you just throw some strikes? Every you once throw in a while? 96 yeah. as a huge athletic lefty. Just, yeah. just do that. Just do it. And almost a pinch, almost like a, like, Pinch runner. I was so so. I was on the call on Sunday, yeah, yeah. and I was so upset we didn't get to see it. Yeah. Like obviously you're upset because it's a five Jimmy. run inning and the game started to suck at that point anyway. But uh, yeah, Jimmy made it suck. It yeah. wasn't sucking up until Jimmy went and destroyed the game. But yes, yeah. and but it's also it for- like. It's, I mean, he did those things, but also like it was his fourth time pitching in five days and seventh in 10 days. And like he had to get used even though he wasn't supposed to the day before because Romano needed four outs because Schneider made the Manoa mistake and it like there's, it was a mess of a weekend. I'm in on the starting pitching and I think Manoa will still bounce back at some point this year. I know he's fighting it. It's a little spooky. He had a good outing last start. I think that's something to build off of the starting pitching. I feel completely fine with. The bats, I said it at the very beginning of the year. I thought that they were a guy short, and now at least Brandon Belt is hitting, which is very, very good because, boy, without him at least even poking the odd single, you'd like your DH to hit for more power, I think, but and not be a bunt machine, but you, either You know way. what his batting average on balls and play is in May? No. Over 700. Wow. He had two of them last night where they just, yeah. like, squeak through. Yeah. Um, he's also, he's hit for a bunch of power, too, though, like a lot of doubles, so. Yeah, I just, I want to see some leave the yard with my big DH that you were yeah. hoping was going to hit for Although power. Although he's never been, like, a 35 yeah. home run guy. He's always been, like, guy. doubles and walks. And, I guess and it's the just, the, the thing is, with the new Blue Jays stadium configurations, mm-hmm. when they brought in all these lefties and the way they designed it with that power alley, I thought guys like Varsho and Belt were basically, like, they were going to have their numbers juiced in a way mm-hmm. that was going to look like Dunedin a couple of years ago no. with the band. No, no one's hitting at Rogers yeah. Center so uh, far. As someone who's gone to a lot of the games, I'm aware. Not I, a lot. I've sat in the outfield for a few. I haven't had to worry about catching any home run balls. I don't want to uh, start a beef or anything, but I remember when they announced the new dimensions, I ran some of my like very crude simulations of like what could this look like. Crude. Mike Petriello at MLB.com had all yeah. the fancy stuff, yeah. and his was like, 
Hitters Park, Hitters Park. Mine was like, oh, it's going to be like a slight pitcher's park. Oh. Tiny samples, but look who look who's Listen, winning right now. You got to take your victory laps yeah. as they're happening, dude. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big believer in this. And, and guess what? When it warms up and everyone starts hitting at Rogers Center, no one's yeah, going to no remember that remember. I did this. Or when I start missing my Botano best bets and not hitting every single one in a row, I will be the same. Where yeah. I go, yeah, that's no big deal. Let's yeah. fly through that segment. I have no memory of okay. that. Okay. What's the thing that you're most encouraged by that you think turns around versus what's the thing that you're most pessimistic about that it's it's really going to need some some kind of action sooner rather than later? Because, yeah, I think that there's a case that it's the offense or the bullpen. But, yeah, which is it to you? Yeah, so I think the thing that I'm most encouraged by in terms of things that have gone bad and I think will turn around, I've dug in a lot on George Springer. I think he's going to be fine. And I know that that's it's started to creep that way lately where like it's a lot of like singles fueled batting average and stuff. But you go under the hood on Springer and like he's mostly still the same guy. And now that he's not playing center field and and yeah, he could probably dive a little less in right field um, to, to stay upright. But I, I'm confident he's going to turn around. And then I think with like Bo's been one of the best hitters in baseball so far. If you also get Springer going at the top of that order, you'll be OK. The thing I am not optimistic about is the bullpen, and it's because you and I, I mean, shoot, I think me, you, and Ailish for most of the morning show last year before I moved to Jay's Talk Plus, we're like, oh, yeah, they're obviously going to need bullpen additions. We talk at the trade deadline. Yeah, they're obviously going to need bullpen additions all off season. Yeah, the depth is great, but they're going to need bullpen additions. You need more back-end stuff here. You can't have to ask. Like, Jordan Romano has been asked to do more four-plus-out saves than anyone other than Liam Hendricks and Scott Barlow over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Garcia is supposed to be number two on the depth chart in terms of leverage. I'm and, completely out on Jim. And Eric Swanson's been so overused that I think he's allowed to run runs at four, in his four last outings mm-hmm. after like a stretch of like 14 outings with allowing like one earned run total. They're going to need more back-end stuff, and that's fine. You can wait on that a little bit, but like it is a little frustrating that this feels like year three of them being competitive and still being like, yeah, you need more back there. Dude, that's been my biggest thing that I'm so frustrated by. They continue to try to accumulate these pitchers with no velocity who get the strikeouts in their tricky little ways, right? But their bullpen arms, that year over year, trying to predict that those guys are going to like, look what happened to Anthony Bass this year. Yeah. It's just like, that is what happens to these guys. That's why I was actually surprised. It wasn't even so much that they traded Teo for a reliever. And I know Swanson's been fine and Teo's actually been horrific so far this season. He's down, I think sitting seventh His OPS is something below 700. Would it surprise you if he's the hottest hitter in the league in June though? That's no, no, no. And, And yeah, there's, there's mitigating factors with the guy, but I'm just saying that so far, this isn't exactly like the Arizona Varsho trade where you've got two guys who are tearing the cover off the ball. And then Varsho for four, who manages to finally get something last night in the 20 run game. And I even saw him going, yeah, he hit a garbage time home run the, uh, the other night too. He's He's putting up the garbage time stats right now. He's a Toronto Raptor. Yeah. He's just again, Varsho for four in this trade is just, it's killing me every single night watching him at the dish. It's starting to really hurt. The worst part about him is that I love watching him on the, in the field and on the bases. Like everything he does in baseball, I adore. Even last night he scored from first on a tough double that they were like, now ground rule double. And he was like, he was so disappointed because, and it's, it's like a little amusing because he's like, He's built like I am. Like, I think Dude. he's a little shorter than me, and he's like he's a, a truck. Yeah, he but had he's a play. so fast. He had a play while I was there sitting in the outfield where he caught a ball up against the fence. 
I don't know if you're watching that game. You must have watched that game on TV. But ball goes up against the fence, and he hits it hard. And it's like you could feel the wall get hit. And then he just, like, walks off of it, and I'm going, man, that poor wall. Look at it getting (laughs) hit. It was the screen behind him. You could see the screen, like, indent. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I couldn't see him from where my seats were. He disappeared. But you could just hear the smash and then him walk forward. And I went, poor wall. That wall might be broken. They lost the WestJet sign from a judge bomb. And this, um, I think that the offense will have some positive regression. I'm with you. They're already up to, like, they're ninth in the league in OPS now. Like, it's not... And that's like a, a little inflated by yesterday, but they haven't. They're that's actually, pretty inflated by yesterday, though, because they were, I think, 16th going into last night's game. So that's a pretty. Couldn't have been that big because that's a. Yeah. I don't know. I was looking at it the, like literally two days ago, and I think they were. Yeah, they were that low. It's, e- either way. It's been a jump. Yeah. And like e- even then, like their bad was average, right? Sure. It was really the stuff with runners in scoring position was killing them, not the overall. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. That but I th- they're supposed I think- to be an, at least when we were looking at this roster. I, I remember doing a pre- season preview with Ennis. Yeah, you got to be a top ten offense, borderline yeah, top five offense no for this to all work. That's, yeah. That was the whole. Pre- that this whole premise was they're going to be a good defensive team that's not going to make mistakes. The offense isn't going to drop off that much. They're going to have elite starting pitching, and the bullpen's going to be deeper and better. And right now, I'm looking at those five things that the season was predicated on. It's like. One maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's they got one of those things ish. That's yeah. fine, I guess. The rest of it has not been that. They've been way sloppier team. You hope that cleans Especially up. Especially lately, dude. Lately has been a nightmare. Some of yeah. the defensive stuff has been annoying as hell. The outfield D is pretty unquestionably great. Yeah, but outside of but that, even even Kiermaier Saturday or Sunday had the one that he yeah. lost in the lost shadows yeah, and, exactly. and dropped for a two baser and, and like, I don't know. It's Kevin Kiermaier. You're never gonna criticize the defense. He's been the maybe the best defensive outfielder in all of baseball this yeah. year. But like, yeah, even, even someone like him is, has had a, a lapse here and there. I'm, lately. I'm worried about his offensive numbers a little bit too. They'll but come down. Yeah. It's, that's what I mean. They can't but not your Springer point. I'm going to touch on both these two things. Your Springer point. I, I kind of agree. I don't think that he's washed because he's 33 years old. I don't think we're ever going to see the elite Springer again, maybe for some short stretches, but I do think that, the guy that they signed, I don't, I'm not sure that's who they have anymore. I think there's going to be something in the middle. There has yeah, been some bad luck. Yeah, he's not going to be a 950 OPS no, guy no, anymore. No. But, but he's. I also don't think he's like like he's kicking no, in no. under like barely 700 right now. Exactly. It's been a disastrous start for him. My big fear with Springer is that you know he's getting hurt. Like it, it doesn't matter that they just put him in right field. He's still diving around, like you mentioned. Right now, you're seeing this, and I just it, it feels almost inevitable to me. I'm not trying and, to put this out into the universe. And but I that. don't think he's DH'd as much as maybe they've planned because Vlad How has been they? banged up a little bit. Belt yeah. has gotten hot, and their option to back him up, Kevin Biggio, mm-hmm. has like started seeding starts to Nathan Lucas. Like that's how bad the the succession plan for his DH days has, has gotten. But yeah, the bullpen thing to me is just. They still don't have – thank God Nate Pearson showed up here and has actually been like a usable good pitcher. He feels as though he's going to be a staple for the back end. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe it's just overuse and maybe it's just bad timing, but Swanson's given up six earned in his last three games. Jimmy, to me, is no longer a guy I trust in high leverage. Bass is a disaster that I – I genuinely have questions as to whether Bass will be on this team. He's It's weird, too, because I think he's gone six shutout in his last seven outings, yeah. but they've been the lowest, lowest leverage yeah. situations imaginable. Yeah, no, they're using him as the, hey, this game's, he's the either the white flag or the human victory cigar. Yeah. He's one of the two things. That's the only role they trust him in. Yeah. I, you know how I feel about 
when they try to use Adam Simber as a leverage guy. I hate it. <laughs> I really yeah. hate it. It's genuinely one of the things that pisses me off the most about the last three seasons, even yeah. though he's actually been pretty decent at it. I'm kind of buying some T-Rich stock. I've been put, bringing this up on my show. I'm kind of in on T-Rich lately. The changeup is like, you look at yeah. all the nerd stats, and it's like yeah. one of the very best pitches in baseball. Yeah, he looks good, man. He yeah. looks good. He's I, I kind of trust him. Mesa is the classic guy where all the numbers say he's a sick loogie and I just go and say no. Well, I, I pointed this out the other day somewhere. I forget where. But Mesa basically to me, because you don't trust him against righties, mm-hmm. uh, is he is a high leverage arm on days Barrios and Manoa start because opponents stack lefties against those two guys. And then he's not in the mix. I like that. When the other guys start. Yep. It's true. And guess what? I I just think that they could absolutely upgrade on that guy. And yeah, you'd love to have someone who doesn't have such extreme, yeah, variance between lefties and righties. Yeah. So to me, it's just like they've they've made the same mistake year over year over year, which is not making sure that they had another high velo punch out scary arm. Yeah. And I I get not spending for it dollars wise in free agency because they're so random and they're so up and down. But like. How many years in a row can – and, like, it's one thing if if they had been addressing it at the deadline every year, but they keep addressing it at the deadline every year with more, with like, seventh-inning guys. Yeah, exactly. And if you have a bullpen full and you love your depth for the seventh inning, that means you don't have an eighth-inning yeah. guy. No, I come, I'm cool with it. And they've, and they've tried – the only way that they try to get the velo guy with some real punch-out power is to do the Kirby Yates, uh, Chad Green move where yeah. they go, this guy who's hurt, uh, <laughs> he could be a guy. And You, you know what you're headed for, though, right? Well, Chad Green is like a deadline acquisition. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. That's going to be, you know, the you can find out who the worst take artists are with that kind of stuff. I'm already, he's not even done his rehab assignment after beating cancer, but Liam Hendricks is a Blue Jay in my mind. I hope so. He would be great. The White Sox are so bad. Yeah, they're terrible. Why bother? They really are a terrible team. Man, that whole, that's one, I try not to do this because I don't think Yankees fans and Red Sox fans cry about the division. I just I've never really heard that from them. Maybe it's there, but I don't. But also, I, they've won the division for so many times. Yeah. Like it's it hasn't affected them as much. And and Rays fans are pretty non-existent, and so I've never heard them say much of anything at all. Other than I'm pretty sure they still love Evan Longoria. <laughs> um, but I, God, the division is so annoying when you look at the other ones and you just see what the Jays have to do this year versus the others. I'm trying not to do it though. I'm trying not to be a complainer. Uh, it's it's going to be hard not to on the weekend when the Jays see the Twins who yeah. have like a good lead in the AL Central and are awful. I wish the Jays got they're, Joey Gallo though. They, they have a worse record than the Blue Jays. Yeah. yeah. They're one game over yeah. 500 and yeah. they have like they have 72 like a plus 72 run differential over the next best team in that division and they are a game over 500 and not like look up and down their line like okay Buxton and Joey Gallo if it's yeah. against the righty, and like the Canadian kid Edward Julien has been fun, but like that's two hundred. I, I I actually hitting cleanup. I need to I need to save my Edward Julien stuff because I asked Ennis before like at some point this year we did a good hour like two months ago, and I asked him who the Canadian athlete he was most interested in this year is. And his answer was Edward Julian. <laughs> and I can't wait to spring it on him going, so what are Edward Julian's stats seeing as he's the number one guy that you're tracking yeah. for, yeah, this entire yeah. season. Anyways, we'll, we'll save the Canadian stuff for closer to right the now. draft, but oh. uh, NBA side, Miller and Omax Prosper are both going, like they were like the two winners from Combine Week. Hmm. That's um, good to Especially know. Omax Prosper. Like, like he's going to start, 
getting buzz as like, could he sneak into the end of the first round? Is he a high second round pick? It'll, we'll do more of it closer to the draft. Yeah, but. I was going to say, let's move to NBA now then, yeah. because I have a ton of stuff for you. But yeah, actually, let's bleed off the Canadian theme thing right now, because I, I do have a bunch, but I can't. Okay, so you saw Jamal Murray's quote the other day, right? Where he's going, I'm much better than a lot of players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I put together a list of greatest, you know, Canadian performances in the postseason. And you could make a case that Jamal Murray's, what was it, 20, what was it, 24? 24 points in the fourth quarter. It was 24? Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Whatever it was. Yeah. His massive fourth quarter that he ended up with in that game against the Lakers was one of, that might have been the best quarter by a Canadian playoffs ever. It was definitely in the top five of Canadian like NBA moments in the postseason. The only one that I said was a bu- with a bullet ahead of it was Nash when he first played the Mavericks. You remember that game? Obviously, he yeah. hits the three to go to overtime, then they win there. That one's just always going to be pretty unassailable to me. Nash did some really good games with the Suns. They're different mm-hmm. players, so it's hard to kind of like compare the stat lines of a scorer versus yeah. uh, a playmaker of Nash's caliber. But either way, like... He's been weirdly slotted in terms of playoff narratives because Jimmy Butler has been so brilliant. He's been kicking in the Celtics' teeth. Boston obviously sucks up a ton of oxygen when it comes to NBA coverage and just the disappointment of what's been going on there. We've had uh, Jokic basically unquestionably take the reins as the the league's greatest player right now and someone who is going to be, I think, probably one of history's worst MVP choices in terms of Embiid over Jokic, especially as he gets his but coordination. you can't give him a third in yeah, a yeah, row. Yeah. No, no, it's going to be, it's going to look great. All, all those voters. Also, Jokic really, like, statistically really did fade down the stretch sure. when the Nuggets were in, like, chill mode. Yeah, but, but still. The, yeah. the, every, no, it, but was, they, it was entirely, yeah. uh, you know the drill tweet, you know yeah. how I got this job crying. You know how yes. I got this watch yes. crying. Yeah. That's how yeah. Joel Embiid got the MVP. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And now there's been LeBron stuff and his future and the Lakers run and rise. And here's been Jamal Murray, someone who has missed the last two postseasons, right? But before that, when he was in the bubble, was one of the playoff performers in the bubble. And I'm sort of looking at him right now, and he's doing this again. And I'm remembering that there was actually a really strong case. I don't know what it's called anymore, so sorry to everyone. Whatever the Lou Marsh is called now, Shining Star Award or whatever the hell. North Star. The North Star. North yeah, Star. So yeah. uh, the Lou Marsh Award, he should have won that year because of his performances in the bubble. And everyone went, well, it's the bubble, and it's not in front of fans. And now he's doing it this year, where it's in front of fans. He's clearly the number two guy on the best team in the NBA. I think the Nuggets are going to roll. If the Nuggets if the Nuggets get the, if the Nuggets get the heat in the finals, I think it's going to be a sweep. And if it's not going to be a sweep, I think it's going to be five games, okay? Like, I, I really think that they're going to kick their ass and that it's not going to be a particularly close series. Yeah, and that I we're mean, gonna... they've been significantly better. The Lakers are a significantly tough. Like, Denver's yeah. had a tougher test at each successive stage, no qu- other than no maybe question. round one. No, but... dude, they, they've had a way tougher road, and it's just, like, Denver is the team this year. Yeah. And if, if Boston can get through, we're going to get a series. If, if it's Miami, I'm not trying to disrespect what they've done. But this is going to be basically another iteration of when the Lakers face them in the finals where it's just a beatdown. Yeah, and it's it's so where you're going with Jamal Murray, yes. Uh, Lou Mar or Northern Star candidate for sure. I think it's, yes, short of Steve Nash. And, like, it's hard to get past Steve Nash with the bloody nose and, yeah. like, fighting deep in it. And we loved Steve Nash more. It was just he was the first, and so yeah. there's something about your first that you never forget. And you know? he was, like, the guy on that team, whereas Jamal is, like, the league's best number two maybe. But, like... 
so for efficiency wise, like the the bar for oh my god, you had an incredible season is sixty thirty. It's sixty percent true shooting, thirty percent usage. Almost nobody is able to be that efficient on that high mm-hmm. a scoring load. Jamal Murray is just shy of that for the entire postseason right now. Like that's something Jokic did it during the regular or Jokic didn't do it in the regular season because he did, he didn't shoot enough. Um, but he's doing it right now in the postseason. Devin Booker was just shy of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Butler is the only guy other than Jokic that's in that class for efficiency and how much of an offensive load you carry right now. And Jamal is at 59.5, not, not quite all the way to 60. This is like a lethally efficient, high volume, entire playoff. And he's been unbelievable. And you mentioned like bubble Murray or whatever, Mm -hmm. like that stat that was floating around after he hung 24 in the fourth quarter that he has four 20 point fourth quarters in the playoffs already. Nobody else that we have data for has more than like MJ only had two Mm -hmm. and Jamal Murray is 26 years old, just turned 26 and has missed a couple postseasons and is already setting that kind of stuff. Like maybe it's just, Hey, he, he had a couple heaters, but nobody has heaters like that no. in leverage spots. Like he's been incredible. That's, that's what I mean is this, this feels like a really underrated moment. There's been a ton going on in Canadian sports with what's happened with the Leafs and what's happened with the Oilers and what's going on with the Blue Jays. And like I mentioned all those other NBA narratives that it's like in a normal year, I think, or especially a few years ago when this wasn't almost routine. And and I know yeah. that we're also coming off of Wiggins playing spectacular in the finals where and he was their second most Shea important player. being the first Canadian right. ever other than Steve Nash to get MVP votes and yes. make an all-NBA team. First 100%. Team and- but this, this actually feels like one of the most underrated Canadian stories I can remember, like right now. So I was just playing around and looking at different Jamal Murray articles, right? Like, And I, I kept this one in particular, like CBS Sports. I, I don't know even who wrote this. It's a compilation of their people. But they did a player ranking, right? And this was in the middle of the regular season. And Jamal Murray was 39th. He's behind guys like DeJounte Murray and Julius Randle. And, like, it's, it's fine, whatever. But I'm watching this and I'm going, think about all the press. And fairly so because, and it's New York too, I get it, as someone who's in Toronto with hockey. But, like, think of all the discussions that we had this year around Jalen Brunson and... Do you think that there's any reality that Jalen Brunson is as good as what Jamal Murray is doing right now? Like, I know he's playing with Jokic, but this is independent of Jokic. Like, he has carried them to a win in this series. He's been knocking down just about everything. And the crazy thing is, you know, and I made fun. I was teasing you the other night on Twitter because you were like, ah, he looks gassed. Maybe take him out. He makes. He made the two biggest defensive plays. And that was, like, he was dealing with that sinus infection. Yes. and like, looked, like, he was hacking up a lung at, at timeouts and stuff. Dude. I'm just saying that yeah. if you're looking around the game's greatest players right now, he's he's still not ahead of Shea for me in terms of, you know, best Canadian. It's crazy that they'd be a one-two punch for Canada under an ideal situation because both yep. of them are so nasty. Honestly, this is the only negative about Denver going on this run is that, like, based on historical precedent, this probably takes Jamal out yeah. of the World Cup in late August. And it's late August, so maybe yeah. it's still a thing, and maybe you work out with Canada basketball, like, hey, he's not going to all those exhibition games in Spain and stuff like that. He's just getting dropped in. But mm-hmm. historically, if you go to the conference finals or further, you're out for the national team. Yeah, so uh, I guess where I'm going with this is that I think Jamal Murray is actually really ascending in terms of his case for where he sits in the NBA. And as I'm watching the playoffs... I can't help but think like, man, I know J- I know Jalen Brown looked amazing in the first round against the Hawks. He has moments against them. 
But I've been sitting here going, who would I rather have in the playoffs right now over Jamal Murray? And the list is like really short. Well, it's also, you know, one of the toughest things in the playoffs and what a lot of games and series come down to. It's not universal, mm-hmm. but it's who can make the toughest shots, right? Because every can. De- every defense is locked in yep. and they're going to take away the three things you do best and get to most easily. And some of these games, now some of these games, yeah, they're like 130 to 120. There's not a ton of good defense being played, but mm-hmm. a lot of these key possessions and stuff, and especially that fourth quarter the other night that you're referring to, come down to who can make tough shots when the defense gives you nothing and, and everyone's locked in. And yeah, you don't want to go too far and be like, well, Jamal Crawford could have been the greatest playoff score. Like you have to have a certain level of also being able to do other things. But Jamal Murray is among the premier tough shot makers right now. And 100%. so in addition to being a great spacer off Jokic, being a good pseudo point guard, obviously Jokic is the point guard, but you need someone to yeah, handle the Murray's secondary. A better stuff. playmaker than I think people give him credit for. Yeah, right? He's averaging like, six assists right that, now. That's what I mean is I think people think of him just like as a, one of those combo guard shooting guy, like shooting guard that's supposed to be a point guard, fake point guard, shooting guard guy. No, no he, he runs, create. He runs the offense when yes. Jokic sits and, and averaged over six assists a game this year, yeah. averaging six or seven assists in the playoffs yep. this year. Um, so all of that stuff is great. And then, yeah, he's not a good defender, but he doesn't take plays off, right? He's at least getting hands in lanes and like fighting for switches yeah, and stuff like tough, that. Man. It's um, so it's not, you know, it, it does. It's not entirely who can make the toughest shots. It's who can make the toughest shots and do enough other things to keep yourself on the floor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there aren't, many guys no at Jamal Murray's level when it comes to tough shot making at high volume right now. I, I think that throughout this run, he is pretty much stamped down that he's a top 20 player in the NBA. And that's pretty impressive for Jamal Murray. Like you start to go through the list and, and, and you can have discussions on a lot of guys that are in there. Um, I, that's the one thing though, that I, I, I try to balance it out a little bit is he's such a great shot maker. But Jokic with that high screen thing that he does with his yeah. his big old butt and how hard he hits guys. Yeah. And then he's got Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray who are like the phone book or phone booth heroes where they just need that little yeah. bit of space and oh, they'll fire Michael it up. Michael Porter Jr.'s corner threes where yeah. he's so big yeah. and Jokic's passes are into such tight windows and it looks like Michael Porter Jr. is not going to be able to get his hands above his head. They're just perfect then, fits for him. Yeah, it's, they really are. Any question to you that Jokic is the game's best player right now? No. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I pre-injury this year, like I, I never, I could, un, I understood the case for Embiid as MVP. And by the end, statistically, it was close enough that sure. If you're going to cry about it, here's the MVP. Yeah. Um, but, and I didn't have a vote just to be yeah. clear. Uh, but Giannis was the guy who's still like, okay, when you sit down and watch, he's the best player in the league because physically so dominant and what he can do defensively and stuff like that. Right now it's Jokic. Like Jokic has broken every statistical metric we have. This is also people who think this is like his playoff coming out. Like this is his fifth time in the playoffs and he had been to a conference finals before. It's not like this guy like was out in the first round every year. He'd been pretty good in the playoffs and maintained a lot of his numbers in the postseason. It was just like, Hey, Jamal Murray's injured or the nuggets have no supporting cast in the early years when, when Jokic would like pre Aaron Gordon, when they got those type of support pieces that, that suit uh, a team around Jokic. So um, yeah, I think it's always been there. And I think even Mark Jackson finally admitted the, other night that Jokic is good honestly like a guy didn't put him on his MVP ballot at all which is uh, like this is just one of those weirdo things guys do it in Hall of Fame voting where they'll be the one guy who doesn't put someone on a ballot because it's year one or whatever but yeah that's an all-time embarrassing one but yeah I just to me I, I look at who Denver has had over the last couple of seasons and yeah great players elevate players but 
you can't find me a roster that was worse than what Jokic was dealing with. And even if you think about the year Giannis won, and I don't want to take away from Giannis because a lot of people will do this where they they feel like they need to denigrate the one guy in order mm-hmm. to elevate the other. Giannis is an amazing player. Like if you were trying to make the case that you wanted him because of defense, sure. I just think Jokic's shot making, playmaking, and just the fact that you cannot slow down an offense that's built around him and that you can just put different pieces around him like you could take any bunch of players and filter them around Jokic and he's going to make them better like Steve Nash, jumbo Steve Nash, except for he'll actually shoot a three and then he's got a post game. Whereas with Giannis, you, you got to surround him with shooters and you want him to be the de facto center. There's so much to Jokic's game that I'm, I'm taking him number one. There's no doubt about it. But man, these last couple of years, like we saw this year, Raptors fans, I know it's a different version of him. This is kind of rude because I'm trying to get him as a guest. But imagine Will Barton was like your second or third best well, player I was, on I your was team. just going to say those two. Like, so Jokic's first two times in the playoffs, his first year, first of all, they get to the second round yeah. and go to seven in the second round. Jamal Murray's 21 yeah. as the second best player. And then the third best player on that team is arguably Paul Millsap or Gary Harris. Who's, yeah. The next year they go to the conference final and it's either... I don't know. It's Jeremy Grant, maybe. Yeah. Is their third best player? Like, this was, and those are guys who can get their numbers or whatever, but not guys who materially change a, a playoff series. And, and yeah, Will Barton had some good moments there. And, dude, he's yeah. 28. He's hitting his prime and he's dominating. He's been incredible for yeah. the last three years. And if he had a better roster these last two seasons, there's probably a strong case that, the, if, like, let's put it this way I don't have to say stronger roster. If Jamal Murray is healthy, healthy these last year, two yeah. seasons, then we might be looking at the Nuggets as the, going to the their third straight finals rather than their first finals yeah. and, and really the only the only negative you can say about the the Denver Nuggets over this last little bit is like this year mm-hmm. and this is why pe- some people didn't buy them as a as a title contender or like the conf- the market confidence came down on them is like they got so far ahead of everyone in the regular season that remember when they were here and the Raptors like embarrassed them Mm -hmm. and it was like their fourth straight loss. And Michael Malone was throwing guys under the bus and Michael Porter jr. Was complaining publicly about his playing time and stuff. And like, you're so far ahead. This is supposed to be when you just chill and nothing Mm -hmm. matters and you can manage egos and everyone gets their touches and stuff. That was really the only moment this year where the nuggets looked like anything but the best team in the league, which is fine. And it's funny because Raptors fans, I was thinking about this. They're the only fan base in the NBA that goes, Jokic is that great because OG has been so good against him. He is the true, he's the actual guy that frustrates Jokic. I wonder yeah. more than just about any player in the NBA. It's this, not this is going to be the outcome of LeBron thinking about whether he's going to retire or not. He's be, Go get me OG. Uh, hey. We have no picks or play. Go get me OG. Dude, I, I did think about it though, in terms of his value this off season, if you're a team in the Western conference, how could you ignore? It's a small sample. OG's only, I think defended him three times. Mm-hmm. But all three times he's been effective against him and actually been able to do some some of the stuff that they were able to accomplish with Rui Hachimura in that first game yeah. that they unlocked against. And I'm saying if OG faces Jokic in five straight playoff games rather than twice in a Jokic regular season. Jokic is going to win. He's going to, no, he's not just going to win. He's going to kick his ass yeah. like badly. He's going to have a All you can do against a player that level is ha- slow him down and, yeah. and try to make it, you know, a little tougher for him to get the ball in the spots that he wants a little bit more of a body up in his jersey, that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. if you can turn Nikola Jokic from 15 shot attempts and 15 assists a game to 12 shot attempts and 12 assists a game, that's a huge win for your defense. 100%. And I want to, I'm just going to get ahead of this. And I know we do this way too much in terms of, you know, classing players in terms of, or ranking players in terms of where they are in the all time greats. But if Jokic wins this finals, which I really do think he's going to, regardless of who the opponent is. It's going to start conversations of, well, he's 28 years old. What can his career be? 
it's really hard to crack the top four great big men in NBA history. Like, it's impossible, he in fact. already has yeah. five All-Star games, yeah. two MVPs. Yeah. Um, this, again, he had gone to a conference finals. He had led some very bad teams to the second round, deep into the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, he has not made this many All-NBA teams, but he has had votes for All-NBA in seven different seasons yeah. already. And generally, like... Obviously, you have to make all NBA, but I do think some voters will look at or they don't vote actually in the NBA. They, you know, they sit down in a room like this and it's secret or whatever. But you do look at like in, in the book of basketball or whatever yeah. that Bill when Bill Simmons was ranking everyone, you look at, hey, OK, maybe they didn't make the all NBA, but did they get votes? Like, were yep. they in the conversation Matters. as one of the top 25 guys? And he's only played eight years and seven of them. He was arguably uh, an all NBA candidate. Yeah, it's going to be it, it's also it'll help his case in terms of all-time ranking that we have never and will never see anyone like him again. That's But that's what I'm saying is he's going to be really tough to slot. Thank God we, we've we all agreed as NBA historians and fans that we don't put Tim Duncan as a center. We put him as power forward. So we say he's the greatest power forward of time, all time, and we yeah. don't have to do the awkward thing of picking one of Kareem, Will, Bill Russell, or Shaq out of the top four yeah. centers. And we just go, no, Tim Duncan wasn't one of those guys. We yeah. don't have to. He's the best power forward. Sorry, yeah. KG. Yeah, but... that's, that's it, right? And so we go, he's the best power forward. That's fine. I love doing that game. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting at the end of Jokic's career if he's going to, you know, create a conversation with those guys because of the uniqueness. Okay, rapid fire stuff before you go because yep. you got to run. Uh, Jay's Talk Plus following this immediately. So stay tuned to that if you're listening on radio right now or streaming. And then, yeah, subscribe to that podcast as well as this one if you're listening on radio. Grange wrote an update on the Raptors job yesterday saying, hey, it's probably going to be, what, next month, something along that those lines? Yeah. Good thing he outlined all the candidates. Go read Grange's piece. But I was thinking about this, like, there's all these jobs that are out there, man. And they're all way more appealing than the Raptors job. And it's hard not to think about that. And I know Nick Nurse is one of the candidates, but... I was trying to think of where the Raptors stack in terms of teams you would want to coach. Like, you obviously want to be with the Suns. You want to be with the Sixers. The, the Celtics job could still potentially open up. The Bucks job is there. Phoenix. That's Yeah, so it's yeah. Yeah, Suns then, first, right? Oh, so Suns, right, you right. could argue, depending on, and I think this comes down to what class of coach you are, right? If you're a, an established veteran coach who's had playoff success and you're in win-now mode, obviously Milwaukee, Philly, Phoenix, and then if Boston were to become available, all those are way better opportunities than the Raptors to hit the ground running and win. And then if you are a young first-time coach and you want a long runway and patience, then the Houston job was more attractive and the Detroit job... it seems like from some reporting that the wokeness of our fan base here actually played a factor. Ramona Shelburne basically told us that on Drive Time when when she spoke with Ennis and I, and she mentioned on the Low Post podcast after that, like, when I do radio hits in Houston, they don't ask me about that stuff. Dude, I was just going to say that it's just Raptors fans, way to go. Also, also (laughs) though, like, don't don't you think there's a little something to Ime Odoka's impulse control when he took that mediocre Houston job and all these other good jobs opened up after? Yeah, but I also actually think that Houston job is pretty good. And especially had they, dude, he had a chance to win the victory. That was the thing people never talked about and why he rushed it. Wait. That's, I agree. He should have waited. But like, look at Detroit. Detroit went from being potentially the best long term coaching opportunity to, ooh, they have the number five pick and like they might trade it and is Cade healthy. And it's, I I just, I think the point that MA made at the podium with where that franchise is at versus the Raptors, but also if you actually do factor in, that man, if you're in Mayo Duca and you live here, you're gonna have to. There's gonna be a million pieces written. The bloggers are never gonna let that go here. I mean, you can get around it in uh, some ways by like addressing it. 
And mm, hey, I don't think he wants to. No, I, and I get it. People you, don't know. This People is, still don't know. Boston, like this Kevin O'Connor. Yeah, will you don't. On ha- it. You don't have to talk about what happened specifically. But hey, this is what I learned. This is what I, I learned about how to be a leader and manage in an organization. These are the steps that I took to better improve myself or whatever. And then at least you can say he answered that stuff right like like i remember when the terrence davis stuff happened part of why it kept coming up and no one let it go is because they wouldn't make him available and he never addressed it or there was never any and i get it there's legal stuff or whatever but you can at least minimize some of it by addressing it one time in a good way and show like hey yeah i'm i messed up and here's some growth anyway yeah anyway to your point about where the raptors job ranks uh, maybe ahead of detroit um, depending on you know what your exact priorities are, but the, the reality—the <laughs> reality Maybe is though, ahead of Detroit. Here's the thing: there are 30 jobs in the NBA, yeah. and there are five openings right now. No matter what, there is there are going to be good coaches who don't get the Phoenix, Milwaukee, and right. Philadelphia jobs. Like you're going, you can get a good coach out of this still. I here's what I will say: you worried I, about missing out on Doc Rivers? Nope, not at all. I just, <laughs> I, I just, I'm really hoping that it's not JJ Redick because I find him to be insufferable on television with his righteous indignation constantly. It's just I, like, okay, man, please, enough. I, I just, don't. My guess is conversations like that were more about what are your long term intentions? Would yeah. you have some interest in hitting a an, a high assistant coach spot to to learn on the on the fly? I, yeah. I don't know. I, I find it hard. I find it even harder. Like if you are a smart person that you would jump right into a spot with no coaching experience. Like even Steve Kerr, who had front office experience when he took the Warriors job, he was like, I need the best seven assistant coaches in all basketball. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if all of my potential replacements are beside me on the bench. If I Mm -hmm. mess up, like that's the level of humility you have to have. If you're going to do that. All I know is like, yeah, if you guys watch JJ Redick on television, it's like every day I watch it and I go, please. There's another clip yesterday that went viral with him. But it's always the same formula for him where he's like, I'm super mad. And you guys don't get with the players and you're like okay man and i'm just gonna say that it's just okay jj Reddick, um, for god's sakes man like just dial it back five percent it's so 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 annoying so this is not reporting this is just my opinion yeah. um of the names that we've heard and have been out there uh chris, breaking news chris DCB. quinn is kind of the one that I, i've come back to a lot and, oh. and part of that is because the heat are having a big moment right now yeah, like but this. he's spolstra's right hand man and yeah. has been for a couple years obviously there are a lot of heat culture elements that when the raptors talk about rebuilding their culture those cultures have already have young always too. been kind of similar young yeah. former player not that long ago yeah uh this is forgettable player though yeah of course yeah but th- those make the best coaches <laughs> know, yeah. oh well, that's nice yeah, yeah for sure no he was he's just like you let, let, let's put it this way when you guys google chris quinn after you're listening to blake do this you're gonna go oh that guy yeah like he's like third uh, string point guard yeah. on the heat for a long time exactly um, uh la- and, and sorry uh the last yeah. point on chris quinn is um if you watch heat timeouts closely, Kyle Lowry doesn't like anyone. Uh-huh. Kyle Lowry really seems to value oh, the input so of Chris Quinn. Like no, I, I mean, I've, I, he's always been a guy who's like on the radar as a top assistant. It's a little bit weird where Spolstra has mm-hmm. been the best coach in basketball for so long. And David Fisdale is the only Spolstra assistant that's yeah. gotten a shot anywhere. So we don't really know what a Spolstra coaching tree looks like. Like the only other name is Juwan Howard who went to college and has had, uh, has had some good success at the college level. Yeah. We don't know. And we don't know how any assistant coach is going to look once they get the head coach job, but Chris Quinn, at least on resume terms and given what the Raptors have said, they want to do with the job. um, He makes sense to me. 32nd answer. If you could, what's the Nick nurse destination that you you hate the most? Because right now it seems pretty clear that if the Celtics get bounced potentially tomorrow night, that he could be in the mix for Boston, 
Philly and Milwaukee. Hate the most uh, Phoenix just because, like, out of sight, out of mind a little bit as a Western Conference thing. And I don't think, I don't like, think he's in the running for their, that one. Their cap situation is he so is in the running for that garbage. One. For yeah, he, Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, he's he one of the final. He's met, meeting with Matt Ishbia this week. Yeah. Um, so that one is just like the least interesting. Philly's the funniest. Milwaukee's the one I like the most from a basketball perspective. Um, Boston would just suck. It would just be, it would, it's not funny. It's not amusing. <laughs> it's not funny. Blake, <laughs> dude, Blake hates Boston so much. He just despises just them. Like, do you that? It's, it's not, it's not funny. It's, it's not like, amusing. Don't, don't anybody make any jokes about how he's in Boston because it's not funny. They're also, they're yeah. just not that, like, they're good but not that interesting a team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That would be a little underwhelming to me. All Other right. than the hilarity of, like, Boston has had four coaches in five years with that court. Yeah. That part would be funny. All right, Blake Murphy. Again, Jay's Talk Plus. He's keeping it rolling right now. I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you my award-winning best bet from Botano. My streak is just it's untouchable. Anyways, the next winner, next Sportsnet 590. All right, you know what time it is. If Austin remembers to put it in the podcast today. <laughs> wasn't my fault two weeks ago. Uh-huh. Twice. Two weeks ago, it wasn't his fault. Yeah. Last week may have been my fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. Yes, it's, we would get, hey, listen, for those of you that complain about when the best bet doesn't get in the podcast, it's like we get it in most of the time, all right? Most, most of the time is there. All right. What about eighty percent? Where are the messages about when we do remember to put it into the podcast part? Thank you, JD. Exactly. Poor Austin getting hammered for that. Anyways, it is time for best bets. Brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, the twenty twenty two Global Sports Bettering Operator of the Year. The only book I use because it has a billion offers. It has just an incredible amount of offerings, and yeah, I tell people all the time: reach out, hit me up, try the book. Uh, if you're interested, you know where I'm at, at JD Bunkus on Twitter and Instagram. So I kind of hate today because my favorite bet is to fade the Jays. I'm Jobo and I are locked. We're, we're lockstep in that we're going to bet Carolina, mm-hmm. but I can't in good conscience make that my best bet when they've just, man, Bobrovsky's so locked in. It's a coin yeah. toss game. I, I, the only theory, listen, they've been the better team. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I don't think that they're a quitter team. So I do like that bet, especially at plus money. Plus 102. But I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rays first five innings because it's almost even odds. And man, it's Shane McClanahan who's just nasty against a Blue Jays team that's 20th against left-handed pitching versus a Rays team facing Kikuchi who's second against left-handed pitching. This just feels like a good spot for the Rays here. And so it's a happiness hedge day, right? Throw a little money. And if I lose this one, I'm actually happy to lose it. So that'd be a good way to end the streak because the Jays actually win off McClanahan. Uh, That is Best Bets brought to you by Botano Sportsbook. The game starts now. Time for podcast only portion of the program. (laughs) Secrets. Okay, so yeah, did a bunch of Blue Jays today. Did a bunch of NBA stuff today. Mm Mm-hmm. Got Armin here. So today, since it's all the youths around, <laughs> how old are you, Armin? 12? Yeah. 13? 13 and a half? 14? We're going to teach Armin how to talk in the mic here on our radio show. It's, it's Dude, a big day also, for Also, the way Armin debut. tried to do, the way he tried to show me his age, instead of just doing the like clear move of that, <laughs> the like, he tried to basically like add it up. He was like, one, two, three, four. I was like, bro, I'm not counting all those no, numbers. No, no. Uh, we're training. We're training back here, JD. How old is Armin? Can you say? Seven. 27? 
He's seven. Again, Armin, Dude. please talk into the mic. Stop doing hand signals. Yeah, I know. Your mic works, Armin. <laughs> Talking the, there you go. You're 27. Ah, there we go. Dude, you're old. You're done. <laughs> like you're this is like uh this is like varsity blues a reference that you'll understand as an old man is like where he's like you're not a has-been you never was <laughs> it's like, it's like your, your career's over you're 27 no just kidding man that's good to have you here uh okay so today i want you're still young you're all the youths god i hate to know that 27 is like there's that there's a sizable age Austin, gap. are you 27 yet too he's 26 are you 26? No, 27. Just turned. Just turned tw- Wait, what? January 6th. Oh. Born 96, just like Armin. Yeah, we're okay. same age. It wasn't just your birthday. <laughs> yeah, like it was six Jobo's. Six half a year no, ago. No, dude, I actually wrote down Jobo's birthday in my calendar because oh, I did smart. not want to mess it up. Because oh, he was thanks, like, man. well, he was like, guys, my birthday's this week. I was like, oh, Jobo. I didn't say it that sure dramatic. Did. And you said <laughs> it like five times. You were like, and then later this oh, week, my it's goodness. my birthday. Okay, so you guys are 27. I'm All right. Cooked. So you guys are not young puppies. But are you technically, you're still technically what? Millennials or Gen Z? I'm Gen Z. I know. Yeah. Duh. Thanks. We're, uh, we're technically the first generation of Gen Z. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. So I got the Gen Z. So let's cover some Gen Z's topics here. All right. Let's start with this cash. This, this is perfect because it's yeah. Gen Z. Yeah. It's Gen Z. The, the Gen Z corner with the bunk and the boys. Let's go. <laughs> the, the Gen Z corner. Yeah. So this is a study done by the Harris Poll on behalf of Credit Karma. So they they interviewed just over 2,000 um, young adults in the States about whether they use credit cards or cash okay. and stuff like that. This and is in the States, though, too. Okay. Yeah, so nearly a quarter reports they use cash for a majority of their purchases now, and that's mm-hmm. 70% increase from last year where they said they use cash more than they use card. Um, and the reason they do it is that they can budget better, and it helps with their self-control. So they do a thing called cash stuffing where they have piles of cash for each thing in their budget. And then once the pile runs out for the month, they stop using it. Okay. So first of all, that's actually the smartest thing that I've heard you young people come up with. <laughs> Cause the, like the leading contenders for you guys was the Fortnite dance before this. So we did finally contribute something. That was our best. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Oh, what else do you guys have? What nothing. else do you guys have? We got like, nothing. nothing. We got TikTok I, dances. No, you got, Vine was cool. What? Vine? Vine? That was you Vine. Cool. didn't make Vine. We Vine, made Vine. Vine. How dare you try to claim Vine? That's our thing. See, that's what you guys it was, do. It was you JD. I was going to say TikTok, but I didn't want to take credit for everything yeah, that's going on with TikTok right now. It's although, not great, guys. although I was listening to a TED Talk about with the TikTok CEO yesterday, and apparently it's pretty cool. Not this. So the way that they're going to try to combat the privacy concerns, right? Because everyone's spyware from a foreign country. Yeah. Well, yeah, that they're, but they're also afraid that essentially that the Chinese government could just come in any day and be like, yo, give us everything in your servers. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's ways around this and that that's why the U S government is still like places like Montana are banning TikTok. Yeah. But apparently the CEO was talking about how they're going to let all of this data that's in different countries be on their own servers with their own security systems to operate and be able to look over things. So it's like that information is never even going to go over to Chinese servers. It's never going to be on a Chinese database. Mm. Problem is, is that this opens up some pretty ethical gray areas for the internet, which is supposed to be global networks where all of a sudden, yeah, like everyone is very, very cautious of the information that they're sharing and like where this goes from here. So I'm dubious of it. And it's again, it's the TikTok CEO. I did learn (laughs) a bunch of stuff about it. Like I don't have TikTok. So apparently if you guys are on it too long, they'll send you a little note and go, yo, get off TikTok. Pete would know oh, this. I'm glad I have not got that note. Yeah, ever. you get a note of that. Like they Thank say, goodness. hey, you've been on TikTok for a long time. They got some interesting technologies with like keeping minors off of there in terms mm, of just making. Yeah, like you can't live stream if you're under 18 years old on TikTok. Do you know that? 
I did not know that. No, I did yeah. not know that. I know more about the youth than you guys. That's the thing. Anyway. I just go scroll through videos and then get off. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't ever live stream. Whoa, Joe. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> Relax. Don't overshare that much. Like just that. scroll? Uh, sure. Anyways. Uh, okay. So the cash thing. I think that's smart if you actually have the discipline to do that. But I'm dubious of the percentages of people that do this. This feels like a couple smart kids say they do it. And they're like, I make cash piles and when the cash mm. pile is out, then we're all done here. And then you're like, all right. Yeah. And then they're out using their credit card. Because, like, have you guys, I was the one of the last cash guys. Mm. I, I didn't have money for a long time, so I had no faith in my cards. Like, I went to the grocery store once, and it would, I didn't have a credit card even, and it would do the NSF thing. There's nothing worse, which is, oh, I still don't understand. funds. Dude, I still oh. don't understand to this day why the debit card companies need to put you on blast like that. <laughs> like, why can't it just say error 654 or whatever? Exactly. Like, like cover up for you. It literally smashes you <laughs> with insufficient funds on the little thing. And it's just the most... <laughs> you might as well just put you're broke. Man, no, I, no, no, I swear to God, $300 in overdraft. This has that, to be wrong right here. I know what they're talking no, about. You know what my move was? Was I'd be like, oh, I, this is a weird car. I just got to run in my car and get the right card. And then it's like, Yo, you'll never see me again. I'm so Oh, the chip's just dirty. Let yeah, me just clean yeah. that off for you. No, no, no. If you, Dude, that's what I'm saying. If it says, if it says the insufficient funds thing... All you got to do is get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Immediately. Abandon. Immediately. Abandon like, ship. Oh, my God. There's no <laughs> outcome here that's good. And and the worst case scenario out of all of this, actually, is that a good Samaritan takes pity on you and goes, I'll pay for your thing. You're like, no. Please, <laughs> now you look extra Just broke. let me escape. You got to run away, and you can never show face in that store again that that happened to you. Yes. Just You can never appear there again unless you become a millionaire and you show up one day like, remember me? And they're like, no. Imagine your card <laughs> but still But you just declines. start buying all the different stuff in the store and really putting on a show, buy a bunch of people's stuff. Sir, I make $15 a day. I try not to remember anything that happens here on a daily basis. Yeah, okay? exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> anyway, um, I don't believe that this is actually happening. I kind of think it is a smart strategy mm. if you can do it. But man, using cash is a pain in the ass. Yeah. And the other thing too now is it's one thing when you have just a crisp 20. Although what is that even worth anymore? A crisp 20? Yeah, it's like that's what does that buy you? Like a bag of chips and a a, a pop. Like, like, like and Armin raised this point. They ruined the money by making it plastic. Like when it was paper crisp 20, I'm there with you. A, a plastic $20 bill. No, it doesn't I doesn't think do it for talking me, about the prices. I just mean that like the yeah, inflationary prices oh, in terms of Oh, you're being serious with economics. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. but uh, no, I'm just saying that every I'll go buy stuff sometimes. This is this is actually what would be nice about having cash is that when you're buying things, you definitely feel what your purchasing power is. Whereas I tap on my phone. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I do the double slide tap on my phone yeah. and it's just like I'm tapping there all day and then when I get my credit card bill, it's always a million dollars and I go, <laughs> how is this even possible? Yeah. And I look at all my micro purchases because I just don't even think about it. Yeah. Now I'm like, bang, 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 bang. Like it's so, I'm so ingrained to just pay for whatever and not think twice about it. Now, even with my subscription services, like I got a note that my free trial run of one of the subscription services is up soon and it's fairly expensive. It's like 13 bucks a month. And I was like, yeah, it's no big deal. And I'm thinking, wait, that's actually a decent chunk of chains. Should we be reevaluating this? People are dumb as hell with money now. Like there's just no doubt about yeah. it. So if you can do this, I would actually recommend it because it probably would put your budget into perspective. The thing is, is like, that's so inconvenient now. Yeah. 
man, I've been to some places where you try to give them cash and they look like they're you have like forty five heads. Yeah. They're like, what, man? It's like card only. I'm pretty sure the Roger Center is not no cash. I don't think you're allowed Can't to use cash. There. I was there on yeah. Saturday. That's what I'm saying. There's but some when place. When I went the other week, it was only card. I'm not going to f- go down this because, but how is that legal? Oh, let's not go down that. But it's weird. I thought you had to accept cash. Yeah. Well, it's it cash is legal tender. Like yeah, you, Joe, I love that he used the line. I didn't use yeah, the line, and yeah. I thought I was like I'm one of saying. these young bozos is gonna. <laughs> yep. Pulled the cash line. Legal tender. Yeah. It is. I remember when I worked at when I worked at Costco, we yeah. used to have some guys paying in checks still too, and uh, that, Dude, that's, that's actually the, a sick move. It was an OG. It's like it's so hard to deal with too. It's yeah. like yeah, you just go. I guess. Dude. I mean, we'll see if this oh bounces or not. I would pay to see awesome They bring in a check, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> the balls on you to walk up and pay with a check. Uh, just knowing that whole Costco line too, just beep, beep, and you're just sitting there. Like, I would never have the guts. 15 yeah. minutes every check. time with those I guys. I got a check that someone's like, hey, man, here's a free check for <laughs> all of these, as much as you can buy a Costco. You just have to go up to the till and hand them the check. I would choke under the pressure. I'd get up to the front with the check in my pocket and I would just let it burn a hole in it and just immediately go to that <laughs> phone tap and be like, beep, beep, yep, uh, I'm out of here. Like, Microtransaction. No, the, the cashier is definitely calling the supervisor because they have not seen that check before. That's, that's so I, I, it's I, a I, whole I, thing. Man, I, like, I, I think I can be pretty confident. People think I'm overly confident, but in a situation no. like that, no, man, no way. I don't have it. I don't have that dog in me to stand in there <laughs> with a check you don't in have front a check of the dog Costco employees and say, this check will clear. Don't worry. It's it's a good check. Well, everybody behind you is looking at that's you. And no, like, no, no, that's no, 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 no. I, I swear to God, much. no, it's a nightmare. Anyways, uh, I don't believe it, but if you can do it, you should try it. Anyways, what's next? So the uh, Washington Wizards had another disappointing season, and their offseason just got worse. The uh-huh. social media admin forgot to log out of that account on Snapchat over the weekend and they were at a bar and they posted a picture of one of their friends with a crude message. Um, it was just on Snapchat? It was on Snapchat, yeah. And okay. someone screenshotted it. So again, this is viral. Youth Corner. This is Youth Corner. Yep. So millennials, mm-hmm. such as myself, I feel like we got Snapchat. Again, it was kind of our thing. Mm-hmm. We got it. We used it a bunch at first, but then Instagram stories came out and it just kind of like ripped it away. True. And then it's just like there for the nudes, essentially. It's just like lurks. And it's Snapchat like, is. Yeah. It's just there. It's just, it's kicks around sort of as like, a, I, I never use Snapchat. Like mm-hmm. I have, I think three people who send, still send me snaps, but I never even open up the app. And then every once in a while I'll open up and be like, oh, and then I don't ever reply because I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to encourage this behavior. Right. I, I don't want to encourage people sending me messages here and going like, what, what is this? And it's all, it's, it's only friends. Yeah, no, it's, it's two friends who live in completely different countries. And then mm-hmm. one friend who does live here, but far away and he's older. So I guess right. he just never adjusted. <laughs> I don't think he has Instagram. So he's just out there, you know, for the love the of the game. He's got. Yeah. He's just, just snapping away. <laughs> and it's so weird too. It'll be like his dog. And I'm like, cool, man. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry it's for nice listening. But, uh, okay. So. But the youth seem to use Snapchat still. Like you guys seem to be it, like group chat. That's your group chat zone. When, when I was in college, that was like the big group chat thing because some people yeah. had like different, like some people had Android, some people had iPhone. So everyone's yeah. like Snapchat's the common denominator. And you guys stuck we'll with just it. Use that. Yeah, I just stuck with it. Because me, me and Armin are in agreement here. That's the generation below us. We're Instagroup, Instagram group yeah, guys. Instagram We're group Twitter group guys. Yeah. But my cousin is 
18 huge all over Snapchat. Everything's on Snapchat. Yeah, that's what I mean. The Snapchat, are keeping Snapchat alive. The, the Snapchat Jobos. group chats was like like when I was in high school. Yeah. And they're four years older than me. I've so never that's like the... once had a Snapchat group chat. Really? Never a single one. Maybe. That's weird. I've had like hundreds. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's crazy to me. No, dude. For me, the original group chats were Facebook Messenger. Like, mm, that was the number one group chat spot to begin. And then it was just, like, it started fractured. Like, iPhone, you know, you had iMessage groups, which is always the thing. Right, yeah. And then now you have, like, Instagram group chats that I have, I which is for meme sharing. But also, and this might be uh, real old man vibes, this is like either you're a foreigner or old, is WhatsApp group chats. That's mostly like, my family group it's chats. It's like, I still have a ton of those, yeah. Yeah. It's like, all my foreign bros are on there? <laughs> like, fantasy leagues, all the fantasy leagues are on WhatsApp, too. No, I, th- th- it's like, yeah, it, it just, it, it's, that's like, you're not, if your group chat starts on this, mm. one of your grandparents is not from, like, was not born here. That is the, like, yeah. golden letter of WhatsApp. <laughs> so, <laughs> shout out, Aunt Susan. Parents from yeah, Netherlands. it's like, that's, that's what parents. I say. It's like, WhatsApp is 100% like, yeah, you message some people back home and you guys are on WhatsApp a yeah. lot. No, WhatsApp is the family yeah. group Armin looks like me. he wants to weigh in on this. No, you got to have your mic on, Armin. Armin's that's mic is not Armin's on. Armin's 0 for 2 on turning the mic on so far. But that's cool because he's learning. I wanted to bring up Be Real, too, because that's taking a, oh, good, yes. okay. a good chunk of, like, the Snapchat away as well. Yeah, Be Real, I'm I'm never... So the thing about Be Real is it's so funny to me is it's, like, people... You can just tell the amount of preparation that's gone into yeah. them in no, their little moment. No, some people take, like, full selfies. It's, like, and... what do you get? You get, like, 60 seconds or you get um, two minutes? Two minutes. You get two minutes to prepare? I always picture the people when they get those notifications, like, <laughs> you know, like running, <laughs> running outside, you know, running to a I gotta thing. make it look like I'm doing something. Yeah, like a latte time. Like, you know, it's ever, oh, what? Going you're for a never, walk. Yeah, you're never in bed like a schlub. Yeah, no. Anyway, media, for me, people, it's just hilarious. It's a hilarious thing. No, it's the, so bad sometimes because I'm at my desk a lot. You so use I'll, it? Yeah. Okay. Like, I like it's a part of like my generation. Do you guys thing. all like use a, it? No. no. Okay, yeah. Joe, no, well, yeah. that's it's, what it's definitely my, like my age thing. All right. Um, but like I'm always There's at my only desk. Five working. years between you and those guys, Jobo. I'm just saying. But uh, that's a whole high school career. Yeah, it's true. Like, actually. Technology. Yeah, like see the, that dude. Another old guy moved by me. I'm like only five years, and Jobo's age. He's like, dude, five years for me. It's yeah. like if I date a girl five years younger, quarter I'll be of his in life. prison. Uh, yes, I will definitely be in prison. I will, that is yeah, a quarter of my life. That's, that's 25%. Oh, that's so good. That's but so yeah, good. be real. Like the, um, I'm always at my desk, so I take like a, I'll take a picture, and then it's just like my wall all the time. My friends are like, do you go outside? I'm like, no. Nope. see, you want that. That's, that's my what job. you want is to be, be reeling with some something going on. Well, I am real. That's just what I'm doing. Yeah, you're just very real, Joe. You're very no, I'm real. I'm very real. Yeah. Well, it anyway. always hits me in the middle of the afternoon and I'm just sitting there like a like I a schmuck. wanted you to do this story because you're kind of our social admin and yeah. I used to date someone who was a social admin and I know this is the fear for you guys. Yes. Like I know this keeps you up at night. And so I guess it only happened on Snapchat, but even still just this is a nightmare, right? Like this is the scariest yeah, no, every so, time I post something for fan, 590 The Fan, it's like I get that little stress of like when I open the app and I'm like, you know, I'm doing the captions, doing the, uh, you know, the quotes and everything. And I'm like, I got to make sure I'm on the Sportsnet account. Or when I post something yeah. on my personal account, it's like ensure that you are on your personal account before you even think about posting this. Just just make sure. Yeah, this gives me secondhand anxiety because I like when you wake up and you're really drunk, 
the, from the night before mm-hmm. and you're hungover, I always wake up basically at like, I don't know, 5.30, 6 a.m. going, scrambling to my phone going, please tell me I didn't do anything dumb. Like yeah. if I wake up and there's a bunch of messages on my phone, I'm never like, anxiety. Oh, it's anxiety. I'm popular and this is fun. Oh, what friends have alerted me to, it's just... My only thought is, oh, my God, I did I something so stupid, and this is going to be bad. My career is over. I've ended my career. So that, I log out of those accounts before I go out. But that's what I'm saying. I guess I can relate to the social admin thing is that all of my socials, mm-hmm. they're not just, like, for my friends and family. It's my career. Yeah. So if I make a slip-up like that, you know, if I put that stuff out there for whatever reason. And I've even had ones where I've been, like, wasted on Instagram story and be like, woo let's have some fun here. And then I'm like, bro, how drunk were you when you posted that photo? Like I wish I've said all along, if you're a media person, I don't know why someone hasn't invented this yet, but this should a hundred percent be a thing is like, you should have a breathalyzer app. Like, why don't we have this, a breathalyzer app to open up certain things on your phone? Like, obviously you can't have it for emergency services. So it locks up the entire phone, but why can't you get an app invented where someone, you have to blow under (laughs) 0.8 to open up, Instagram after, you know, 730 at night. Right. That should be a thing. That should absolutely just be a all thing. Times. If you're yeah, trying to open and then, at and then some other app can be created. It's like, yo, this is drunk Instagram. Like you make your circle <laughs> small. Is drunk Instagram. Yeah, it's like you make your circle straw. This is for, if you're wasted and you make a mistake, you do an oopsie, it's not you're not gonna be killed for. <laughs> because it. everybody on there yeah, is just you hammered. Got, yeah, that's exactly. just that's just called Snapchat. Yeah, maybe you know what? That's what I'm saying. Like that's what hey, and guess what? And this person made that mistake there. That's why I was forgiving of it. I was like, Yeah, who cares? All right, what's next? Let's do one more. So Elon Musk thinks that working from home is morally wrong. Yeah. Um, Do you have a take on hearing that? I mean, that's pretty much the whole quote is he just thinks like. No, he said morally wrong. Yeah. He's, he's immoral is the word that he used. And he said like, get off your high mm. horse BS. Yeah. Um, I think he does make a pretty good case that he was like, cause the quote I read was that he was like, he's a, I'm a big believer that people are more productive when they're in person. Yeah. That. Well, and he also was, like, saying, like, why is it fair that the person who makes your food doesn't get to work from home, but you get to work from home? Like, what morally makes you superior See, that, that to them point, in the really, structure of our society, right? That part didn't really resonate with me, though, when he was saying, like, why should other people be allowed to work from home and you have to go into the office? And it's like, well, like, jobs are different. Like, that's a pretty broad you point hear to that, make. guys? This is Very, why you tune oh, into so this podcast. He's so from Oakville. He's so, so from but, Oakville. No, but I was just going to say that, thank God, if you're listening to this podcast right now, this is why you left five stars, is because... Jobo says things like, jobs are different, guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's Joe's a crazy like, take. Joe's, Joe was like, guys, don't you think sometimes jobs <laughs> are different? <laughs> you go, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Like, I th- do think that, th- that, that point was like, okay, well, this is too generic. I thought during the pandemic mm-hmm. that I was never going to want to come back in, like never going to want to come back into the office. I yeah. thought we got the technology now. Why would I put up with the commute? Why would I have to deal with this? I work in a creative space, blah, blah, blah. I'll see people when I want to see them. And now I don't have to see everybody knows the people you hate in the office. Nobody's batting a thousand in there. You got to run into people. It's just, it opens yourself up to time waste, whatever. You got to be in the office. If you do any kind of halfway, like I, I feel bad now for people who don't go in. Mm-hmm. And I actually feel bad for a lot of people in your generation that this was the way that they were like introduced to the workforce. Yeah. And they have the anxieties about going into work and they don't even really know how to comport themselves in a workplace and like mm-hmm. that that's what they want. Dude, you got to get out and do stuff. You got to connect with people. You got to see people face to face. Like, man, 
we work, and, and I know our job is a little different in this sense too, is we work in a creative space, right? Mm-hmm. So if you guys send me a text, I might, do, or like an email or whatever, whenever I'm writing emails and text back, like we know each other, right? Like yeah. you, me and Austin, especially now, like we've been working together for nine months. Yeah. Solid. Like you guys know what I'm about. I know what you guys are about. Mm-hmm. And how many times have we probably sent emails or text messages where you've been like, oh, is he pissed? Or like, is he annoyed? Or is this the, like, it sucks, man. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as good for a collaboration. It's not nearly as good for work ethic. I'm sorry. It's it's just not. It's also invited in these like really creepy, horrific technologies that monitor you at your computer to make sure that you're yeah. actually getting work done because there's so many people that do steal time. Mm-hmm. Like the New York Times did a thing on this not too long ago where people were basically work incentivized jobs where the more they're in front of their computer, it's like Amazon where you go and you step up and you take a bathroom break and they clock your time. Now a lot of companies are putting that technology into their computers, their work computers, to make sure that you're sitting there at your computer and and actually getting work done Mm -hmm. and you're being compensated based on this stuff. It's like, I don't want to live in that world, man. I want you to show up for work, get to your job, do your shift, go home, and actually feel like you contributed to something. I just, man, I, I just know for me personally, I know it's good for some people. I know some people like, to me, that having some form of a possible hybrid isn't bad. Like, right. I do one show from home a month-ish, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Every there. once in a while, I would do them a little bit more depending on what was going on. But that's all I can really tolerate, man. If you're doing like five, six, seven... Like once you start to accumulate those things, you lose touch as a group. You don't have the same camaraderie. You don't have the same relationships with people. So again, I I think that you have to have it as an available option because sometimes life does happen and we are kind of evolving a little bit as a society that way. Mm -hmm. But I'm a big believer now, especially since I've experienced both worlds. You, if you have a job, you got to go to work. Yeah. Like you, you got to go in. If you're from home, you're, you're just not, you're not going to be working from the office. I, I just don't so believe you're going to be better. as good. I just don't believe that you're going to be as good. Time theft used to just be called a cigarette break. You know, now we got a whole thing around it. Yeah. That was like the main reason <laughs> to smoke darts. That was the, oh, that's why I started smoking darts right there. You know, no got frills. People. We got to yeah. get out of there. No frills. You get like three or four breaks. You kidding me? I don't got a face. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. I'll go for a cigarette. Well, that. what do you mean? My legs are shaky right now. No, we're working in the office is so much better. Like I, last summer I was an intern. Tell I the youths, Joe, this is your spot. Tell the yeah, youths. Well, right? Testify. No, so, and I guess it, like, I'm also a pretty social person. Like I love being around people. I've yeah. been around you guys. So being in the office for me is so much better for just like productivity and creativity. Cause you can bounce ideas off each other. Uh, you can learn things like talking to you and Austin in person and now Armin part of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's so much different than being on text. Like you mentioned and like being from home, you don't get that same sense of like, um, I guess being a part of a team, like it's different. Mm-hmm. Like almost, it's almost like the people that you're working with online are like not real. They're just like text on a screen yeah, and it just, it, it, I think it affects the way you think so much and it kind of isolates you. And I think that's really bad for, especially young people. Like you got to get out, dude, that's you got to go to the office. That's, that's probably one of the things that, so I, I try not to do the whole, like, I know I joke around with you guys a lot about my fears for the youths. Mm-hmm. Mostly I think everything's going to be like, this is what most generations have done. There are some pretty intense uh, technological changes that are happening that are going to make the world shift. There's also just some like geopolitical stuff that is shifting for the first time in a long time where anyway, I'm not going to get into this, but I'm just, I'm just saying that, yeah, this is a very, very different time. But when when it comes to like actually being worried about the use, I do think this is a very different departure from 
like the fear of rock and roll and Satanism <laughs> that, you know, angelic old people, uh, like that there was their concerns, right? Right. Ah, there's still a lot of that, you know, just got to watch. No, no, so. but, and, and you even saw, dude, back in the day it was like, people thought radio was going to be bad for society. They thought that television was going to be right. The internet. But now we are at a point where, because there is so much stuff that's remote and you even just look at the amount of, here's what we actually know. We know that community matters for your health yes, and yes. that friendships 100%. matter for your health 100%. and that a job matters for your health. And like the more that this online stuff keeps funneling for you guys and for all of us, cause I'm like, I'm involved in this too. The easier it is to say no to stuff because you have so many more things at your disposal at home. Yeah. And now if you remove like work from that, all of a sudden now you're not even making work friends. You're not having any kind of community at work. That it just, that's, that scares me a little bit that, it's cool that people have friends that they made online through gaming, right? Yeah. I think that's fine. I went to a bachelor party a summer ago where there were two guys there that they'd only met the bachelor twice because they made friends through whatever, some nerd game. I don't care about any of them, but <laughs> they, that's fine. But the idea that you could have just like your whole network of friends there and that's your thing. And you don't see people face to face. You see them in a Twitch stream chat or in your headset. It's just, it's, it's not good. And I am worried about that. Like, I think that there's a tangible, effect that is going to be happening on people through our lack of interactions. And so my advice to anybody, and I know that most of the bros that listen to this, most of the people that listen to this podcast are like a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, I think from based on anecdotal evidence of who reaches out to me, but yeah, if you are younger, I would suggest that if you do get opportunities to do stuff outside and do stuff as a group, like try to actually push through and do that stuff. I, unless it's like yesterday, so I see at Ossington, like in, yeah, uh, Christy, yeah, Christy Pitts. The youths were firing firecrackers at oh, each other yeah. all over the place. I thought you were talking about something else. I also used to fire firecrackers at my friends when I was a kid. I just I, never all did the time, all the time. I know, JD. but I just never did it in the park, like on mass, like that. Oh, buddy, Lakeshore, <laughs> and Islington. That that don't come around there on Victoria's Day. Yeah. It got bad for cars. Oh, it got bad for cars. Roman candles. Yeah. I, yeah. I, not me, but I was there with people. Bro, I, I, I've twice thrown stuff at cars that. Snowballs. He used to do the snowballs. People got threw, so mad about snowballs. I threw a water balloon into a guy's Jeep one time when <laughs> I was in the high school, grade 10. Yeah. No, up like lobbed it up. He had no roof. Oh, I he... lobbed the water balloon up. <laughs> Toss an alley. You yeah. him. <laughs> and then he like saw me and my friend Scott and we ran obviously. <laughs> and he turned his car around and we like, we're running through the woods. I don't know how the hell this guy, this guy's like man tracker. He found us. We were we went to an elementary school and they had those big tractor tires and we oh. jumped in those tractor tires and we were like hiding out in them. I was so scared. I was like, hey, hope he doesn't. <laughs> Actually, we were younger than grade ten. We were grade seven. Um, yeah, we were young. Uh, anyways, he was like a mischievous friend of mine, me and Scotty, and it was a blast. Like getting in trouble. We he's <laughs> he was just the kind of kid that would do stuff and then be like run. And he'd be like, oh, crap. And he was fast. So it sucked. Because he's like one of those long-legged skinny kids that could just like take off like a rooster. Yeah. Uh, and I would just be they stuck. They cover so much ground. Yeah, and I would just be stuck back there like, you know, the little piglet. Like, just I didn't get... even do it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even do it. Yeah, exactly. It was just a part of it. <laughs> I, don't even I just really watched. Like but yeah, he, all of a sudden he sticks his head out of one of those big tires. And he's just like frozen like an animal dead in his tracks. And the guy found him. He's plucked us out of there. <laughs> he like put us up against the wall. He was like, you look. I did stuff like this when I was a kid. I was beat the 
How do you guys? Are, you're great seven. Dude, I was trembling. You? Yeah, trembling. Oh like just like goodness. knees knocking against each other, probably making noise. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. He Scott's was, probably laughing. He's probably only like 18, but he seemed like like a U.S. commando to me. Where I was like, this guy is the most dangerous man alive. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the movie they, they based it off of. Uh, they made they him based it off yeah, of this off guy. This guy, this guy so with the jeep. jeep. Yeah. Anyways, we used to do stuff like that. We I just pelted. We had a McDonald's behind us. We would just pelt cars. That's that were so the drive throughout the McDonald's. I mean. They would always get out and be angry, but we, our school was right beside, so we'd run inside and yeah. then no adults coming into school, right? Yeah. So. See, that's kind of a sick move, except for not really though, because they can just go up to the, I can't believe they wouldn't just go to the front desk and be like, Hey, um, these kids, five throwing, kids just throwing, and now there's authority figures. Like to me growing up in up North, it was all about like, just run into the woods, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like run into the woods. That will be your safe haven. The only thing is if you get caught in the woods by somebody there's no witnesses, <laughs> like, you know, you're getting your ass kicked. <laughs> you uh, die. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's the end of that. I'll just say this is like, that's where I also feel bad for kids. That's a little bit of, that's a little bit of hooliganism where you're like shooting it into shops and stuff. And there's that many kids. That's, that's sort of scary Toronto thing where all of a sudden there's like a thousand kids. You're going like, wow, I'm completely overwhelmed because the good thing when it was me and my friends is that, you know, there was maybe five or six of us max 12 if you're any kind of adult, you'd go in there, you'd whoop all of us. No question. You know, like there's no ganging up. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's a swarm. There's zombie hordes. <laughs> these kids down at Christie. It's like a swarm of wasps. Yeah. But I do feel bad for the youths with social media. stuff Cause people are like, Oh, look at these kids doing these horrible things. It's all captured. It's like, I did all that same stuff. Look. Shot fireworks at my friends. I threw snowballs at cars. Yeah. I threw water balloons at cars. Threw rocks at cars. <laughs> Never rocks. Never I threw only rocks snowballs. At cars, yeah, big only time. snowballs. <laughs> I was big time throwing rocks. Well, that's at like cars, even right? did you see all the kids at Canada's Wonderland when it opened no. up all the fights and everything? It's like yeah. I, I've been in a it's scrap like a or two at Canada's Wonderland. It happens. You, but you, you know, know what, Austin? I've never been in I've only been there wholesome with my aunts. <laughs> uh, is he gonna go with your friends? I wonder where my friends from here, but, but, we didn't get into a fight. but scraps at Wonderland is white trash behavior that you were. Oh yeah, all that's coming to Mimico. You gotta that's that's the baseline. I like like how you had me, I was I was like throwing rocks at cars is fine, but then you were like getting scraps <laughs> I at fight Wonderland, Wonderland in front of the kids. No, that's trash. You're trash for that. I feel bad for you. Anyways, oh, subscribe to this podcast, leave five stars, we'll see you tomorrow.